Well, hello, and welcome to this week's of Photographic Life. Um, we're just getting through summer. We're just coming to the end of the summer in the UK. It's already getting a little chilly in the mornings. Um, a lot of us may well be thinking now about finishing our holidays or the holiday break, maybe getting ready to see new clients, working on projects, getting ready for the autumn, that time when so many things kind of come together, really, I suppose, talks, exhibitions, uh, hopefully commissions, clients, whatever it may be. However, for a lot of people who have been working or who work in the editorial monthly magazine sector, art directors, photo editors, journalists, uh, writers, uh, stylists, fashion editors, whoever it may be, um, they have Christmas in July. Christmas in July is quite a big thing. It's when all of the big brands in the UK, and I'm talking from a UK perspective here, I'm not sure if this exists in other countries, but I think that as this story starts to unfold, you'll see the relevance wherever you're currently listening to this podcast from. So, Christmas in July. Basically, what happens is that if you're working on a monthly magazine, you're always working a few months ahead. So where we're now looking forward to autumn, if you're working on a monthly magazine, you're starting to think about Christmas and you're going to start to think about the kind of articles you're going to do and hopefully the photography you're going to commission. But that Christmas in July thing, that's when the big brands, the big major retailers, all of the, the stores, high street stores as well as small brands, they all get together and they have a presentation, quite often quite lavish uh, kind of events and interactive activities occur to encourage journalists, stylists, editors of magazines to feature the products that they've got coming up in the autumn and winter within the magazines. And on the back of that, the people who visit these events are given nowadays usb sticks with images on uh, that they can use in their magazines as well as an opportunity to understand what images these brands have that they can use in future issues well why why am i going on all about this well, this is about magazines i'm not talking about photography well stay with this so over the last few years as we all know the magazine publishing industry has been under enormous pressure now, magazines were my gateway into photography. As a viewer, uh, learning about photographers, learning about photography. And when I say magazines, monthly magazines, I also include in that uh, Saturday and Sunday supplements, which have become increasingly lifestyle orientated. These are supplements that come free with newspapers. So as the ad revenue has become increasingly difficult to actually attain for these magazines, as their circulations have plummeted, and they have plummeted, the budgets that are there to produce the magazines have become smaller and smaller, just as the number of people working on the magazine have become fewer and fewer. And if you're a photographer looking to get commissioned or being commissioned, you'll be well aware of everything I'm saying. But it's not the fault of the person commissioning you. The judgment is made higher up. The people upstairs, the financial directors and the publishers are the people who are setting the parameters by which the editorial staff have to work. 
And one of the things that has come out of that over at least the last 10 years is the instruction to use more and more, and I use this, this word carefully, free images. So basically, contacting the brands and saying, give us pictures of your products and we'll put them in the magazine. And that has got to such an extent that magazines have been relying on those free images. And that's why a lot of commissioning has dropped off. Obviously, most of this work is within the lifestyle sector, but it may also be within the portrait sector and so forth. So this year, Christmas in July, it didn't happen. It didn't happen because a number of big brands didn't do it. And when I'm talking about big brands, I'm talking about really all those people that you know that are on the UK high street, big departments, uh, department stores, as well as some of the luxury brands. They just didn't hold Christmas in July. And what I've been hearing from a, a number of people very closely involved within the editorial sector is that there aren't any images available and they don't know what to do because they're starting to think, well, if we can't get the free content, what are we going to put in our magazines? I can hear you say, well, it's about time that they paid for those images rather than use the free ones. What they're going to have to do now is they're going to have to start commissioning again. Now, here's the problem. There isn't any money. There isn't any money for that commissioning. Those magazines are running on very, very tight margins. And for us to hope as photographers that things will return to how they used to be, that editorial will be a fantastic showcase for magazines, oh, sorry, for photography going forward, as it always had been, uh, that, that's, um, that's just a pipe dream. We only have to look at the general politics of how large brands and retail is being affected by the online platforms and the general marketplaces and the economy to understand how that impacts on us as photographers. It's actually just a question of joining up the, the, the dots here to make, I'm afraid, a rather a grim picture for the future of editorial publishing. Now, you may say to me, yes, but there are more magazines than there ever have been. And there are all these fantastic magazines that are charging £9, £10, £11 and up um, for each issue. Well, yes, there are, but they're not paying photographers. And I've heard stories of photographers being charged to appear in the magazine. That's kind of where we've got to. We spoke a few weeks ago about vanity publishing. Unfortunately, a lot of these boutique glossy magazines that may feature a lot of advertising may not be getting paid by that those advertisers those brands they're just putting it in there so that the magazine looks better now you may say how do you know that i do because i speak to publishers i know how these things work this isn't me putting stuff out there that isn't true this is true this is the facts this is where we are now is that negative is that pessimistic I don't think so. I think what we're looking at here is the death of one platform for our work. But we now need to look at what's the next platform. So rather than thinking we need to go to these people, these magazines that once supplied us with an income, that once uh, supplied us with platforms and a showcase for our work, and we need to go to them and say, give us more money, respect our copyright, do all the things that you should do. 
rather than doing that we need to look to the future and think where's going to be our new new showcase for our work what's going to be the next income resource for us and that's going to require creativity as they used to say are now for something completely different Eduardo Soteras Jalil was born in Argentina in 1975 to a Lebanese family. He majored in economical uh, sciences, uh, worked as an independent consultant for a couple of years, got deeply bored and started to travel. Self-taught as a photographer, he began to work on a freelance basis in Palestine in 2005. In 2006, he developed the participatory photography project Identity Document with children of migrant workers in Israel. During that time, he also co-founded Active Stills, a collective of activist photographers in Israel and Palestine, and Active Vision, an organisation dedicated to participatory photography and video, also based in the Middle East. He received a scholarship from the Universitat Autonoma of Barcelona to study for a master's degree in photojournalism and co-founded the collective Rudo Photo and the School of Photography Rudo Formacion, whilst launching an online magazine titled 7.7. In 2009, he worked in Mexico, documenting the migration route of Central Americans to the United States that became his book El Camino. In 2014, he fell in love with Gaza and its people. Then the bombing started, but he decided to stay, creating two projects, what Remains and Gaza Mode de Employee, which was published by Le Courier International and Granta magazine in the UK. His work is represented by Neutral Grey Agency out of France, and he is currently based in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, working as a freelance, phot freelance photographer and an AFP contributor. As you can probably tell, with all of that energy, passion and engagement, I wanted to know what photography meant to him. Photography for me is a, is an excuse mainly. I I feel that photography is the excuse I have in order to to explore uh, and to live uh, other people's lives. No, and and mainly due to the to the kind of projects that I'm interested in and, and the parts of, of of society that I'm interested in exploring um, yeah it's an excuse to live uh, others people's life and and the lives that are 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 not necessarily the ones I've chosen um, those lives usually have to do with interstices with uh, those small cracks on the surface of life that some people live within no? or, or where people create their own universe around one idea or one culture or, or one practice no um, it's a, yeah I, I think it's a, it's a wonderful excuse it's a wonderful bridge to to approach the other um, and I enjoy it very much in that sense because I'm I really enjoy human beings. No, I'm, I'm mainly interested in, in human experience in, in those interstices um, and human experience in general. Um, I think also um, somehow when I'm doing um, documentary projects, 
photography it's a very strong doubt i have no not not only to towards my my own practice and constantly looking for other ways to to tell the story but also towards the original idea i have about something and i think that i i i can reach um a, an interesting documentary project when i'm able to to explore further all those doubts and to um, and to arrive to no, not to an answer but to to a deeper question that is is putting to doubt all all the ideas that i have originally about a place or about a culture um that's uh, regarding documentary photography also um, during the late years photography has become uh, uh, also my work no my job the, the 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 thing i do in order to support my family and um, which is basically photojournalism and working on assignment which means working on issues that are not necessarily the same issues i will i will choose for for a documentary project no uh, in that there is, there is a big difference be- because uh, i enjoyed I, i enjoyed very much uh, doing that kind of photo but uh, it's, it's it's working differently on me no uh, i haven't been able necessarily to 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 find a, a balance between those two aspects of my of my photo um, but i'm trying no but uh, in in both kind of photography that that i do if it happens to be a border between them or not i think that uh, photography for me it's also a way to to become a a better person no because it's it's taking my empathy to places that before i was not able to to take no to take to or or, or because I I think that it's it's easy to talk about empathy towards the oppressed or to towards a population that is suffering, but uh, sometimes I I had to work with with people that are not necessarily in those groups and that particularly can be very far away from from my ideas, no. So I think that in documentary photography, when we choose to to work with someone or to to work with a group of of people um at least for me the, that uh, empathy it's a it's a need no otherwise i i cannot do photos uh, so yeah it has to do about love and it has to do about becoming a, a better a better person very much two sides of the same coin this week you've got me Uh, I suppose slightly ranting. I apologize for that if that's how it comes across, but I'm incredibly passionate about the particular situation within uh, editorial commissioning of photography and all commissioned photography, um, always. And um, Eduardo, though, kind of bringing us um, back to that core theme, I suppose, that we talk so much about on this podcast, which is empathy. It's a word which... I suppose there are three words which, um, when I'm talking about photography, particularly to young photographers, uh, student photographers, that I really focus on, um, and they are objectivity, subjectivity, and empathy. 
And for me, they're the three key kind of understandings before you even get into anything to do with what are you trying to say or storytelling or narrative or, or anything whatsoever. You know, we've got to start at those three core understandings. And it does really surprise me and maybe I suppose a little bit disappoint me how often um, the, the young photographer has, has never considered the importance of empathy uh, in photography, but also that uh, that understanding of the word at all. You know, quite often um, people, it, it, the word has come to them anew. Maybe that's one of the issues we currently have. So I really thank Eduardo there for, for kind of framing um, his kind of uh, understanding of empathy and the importance of empathy into his own personal practice. Um, as always, um, you can follow up from this podcast now on Podcast Plus on the Patreon uh, platform. You can link to that pla um, platform uh, directly. United Nations of Photography, UN of Photo, A Photographic Life. That's the, the way to get there. Or all the details are on the United Nations of Photography.com website. Um, so please do check that out because there's a lot of stuff, I think, um, from this week that needs to be followed up on um, to gain that further. So vital uh, information. Uh, funny, uh, John Anderson was talking last week about the importance of research. And um, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I wonder how many of us do enough research into the situations we find ourselves in to try and inform the steps that we take uh, either out of a situation or into a new situation. Anyway, lots of research links and different things going on uh, all the time, actually, on the Patreon uh, Podcast Plus page. Uh, just leaves me uh, this week also to uh, make a little request, which is that if you are listening to this podcast via iTunes, it would be really kind of you to leave a little review. Um, always helps us to get those. So that's always great. And of course, you know, we talk about subjects in a way which is very frank, very raw, and I hope very honest. And I also hope very informed. It may chime with you or it may wind you up or it may make you think I need to comment on that. So please do. Please comment um, on the Patreon page. You can comment if you become a supporter of us there. Um, but also you can contact us through UN of Photo, which is pretty straightforward. UN of Photo on Twitter. Uh, or also you can leave comments below the posts on the uh, United Nations of Photography.com website. Um, that's pretty much it for this week. Um, Mornings are getting a little bit chillier. Autumn's on its way. Time to get the coat out and take care. Mm -hmm.